It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. This is Christian Questions. After the podcast, check out everything ChristianQuestions.com has to offer. Also see our weekly video series releases at ChristianQuestions.com slash YouTube. Here's your hosts, Rick and Jonathan. Plato once said, Let parents bequeath to their children not riches, but the spirit of reverence. I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. Joining me as always is Jonathan, my co-host for more than two decades. This podcast centers on godly principles, family values, and honest dialogue in a politically free zone. So, Jonathan, what is our topic for today's episode? Well, Rick, our question is, what does honoring your father and mother look like? And our theme text is found in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Okay, what does honoring your father and mother look like? So coming up in today's podcast, what exactly does it mean to honor your parents? Does it mean that they are like king and queen in in your life and you need to toe the mark? Well, we'll find out in about 15 minutes. Maybe you have had or know someone else who has had bad, even abusive experiences with parents. Surely we are not supposed to honor them, are we? We're going to give a surprising answer in about 30 minutes. For parents who have worked hard at parenting, how can we respectfully honor them? We have actually seven specific points we want to share in about 45 minutes. But first, let's see what God meant by making honor your father and mother one of the Ten Commandments. To honor your father and mother is the fifth of the Ten Commandments given to Moses for Israel. Like all the other commandments, this is a very old-fashioned and worn-out sounding principle. I mean, we all know we're supposed to respect our parents to some degree, but are we supposed to let them run our lives? What exactly is entailed in honoring parents? What if your parents were not good parents? What if they were absent or worse? Does our present age of overwhelming personal freedom and choice override this ancient commandment? That's a big question. Can honoring your parents in some circumstances be detrimental to them and you? Fortunately, the Bible does put all of this in order. It's a good thing, Jonathan, because these are hard questions. (laughs) They are. It provides us with sound reasoning and direction so we can enthusiastically fulfill this particular commandment. So, to get started on this, we want to understand what this fifth commandment is intended to mean. And you know me, what's my favorite word when it comes to Bible study? Context, Rick. That's right. So, we need to look at the previous four commandments because we're going to see some startling revelations in putting it all together. So, Jonathan, we're going to do a quick review. Let's start with Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 and 2. These are the verses just before God gives the Ten Commandments. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Okay, so God is introducing the Ten Commandments here, and he's saying, I am the Lord your God. We're going to, as we examine any of the Ten Commandments, we need to remember their application is to an entire nation, as well as to each individual within the nation. So there's two ways to look at these commandments. So let's get started with the first one, Jonathan, Exodus 20, verse 3. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And this is telling us God is sovereign. 
Okay, God is sovereign. Israel knew God's sovereignty because he delivered their nation of millions from slavery. And Jonathan, whenever we talk about this, the thing we need to remember is he delivered these millions of people from slavery and there was not a shot fired. Whoa. There was not an (laughs) army gathered. There was none of that. And this is why God puts this, it says, remember, I delivered you. Because you couldn't get more miraculous than that delivery. So, But Rick, remember, there was a cost, the death of the firstborn, yeah. because of Pharaoh's stubbornness. Yeah, yeah. And, and God is making the point, don't forget my grace to you. And that's why this first commandment is so important. God is sovereign. What's the second one? It's in Exodus 20, verse 4. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. So, Rick, this is telling us the honor due God's sovereignty is never to be shared or diminished. Okay, so God's sovereignty belongs to God only. Now, verses 5 and 6 after this commandment is stated, go on to show general consequences for worshiping any other god and generational blessing for staying true to one god. So you have this generational thing being brought out here, that being true to the one god brings generational blessings. This is a key point that's going to come up later. So we've got God is sovereign, and his honor is never to be shared or diminished. The third commandment, Exodus 20, verse 7. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. And Rick, this is telling us we should never represent the holiness of God's name carelessly, foolishly, or with any hint of irreverence. You know, don't carry his name lightly. Yeah, and when we did our podcast on not taking God's name in vain, that's really what it boiled down to. Do not carry the name of God with you in a light, uh, flippant sort of way. Uh, We need to be serious about the name of God. God is sovereign. His sovereignty isn't shared, and we should carry his name with respect. Then comes the fourth commandment in Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And this is telling us we must regularly set aside to revere God's sovereignty. Okay, we need time set aside. We can't forget it. We have to stop look up, and, and, and praise. Verses 9 through 11, after this commandment is stated, go on to explain the important logistics of celebrating this Sabbath correctly and the fact that God wants us to rest as he rested from his creation work. And, and the point of that rest, Jonathan, is he wants us to stop and look up and consider what's around us. You know, set time aside to remember in studying his word, his greatness. Review often what God has done for us and count your many blessings. We need to be reminded over and over again. And it's a funny thing. That's why the taking that Sabbath every week comes up because it has to be over and over and over again. And, you know, the idea of of stopping and considering, I think that's why it, you know, a lot of Christian churches have testimony meetings, meetings where you talk about your experiences and you relate them to godliness and so forth. That's a great Sabbath type of activity because it gets us to reflect on the Almighty's care for us. That's what the Sabbath is for. We need to do that. Okay, so we've got the first four commandments. That's the fastest I've ever gone through those first four commandments. I just want you to know, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> first four commandments are all about how to thrive in relation to spirituality and in relation to who God is. That's what those four commandments about are about. They encompass the sanctity that God should hold in our lives. They teach us to reverence him with everyday thoughts, everyday words, and actions, as well as at special times of worship. Now we have that. Now comes the fifth commandment, Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor thy father and thy mother, that the days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The fifth commandment is the first step in establishing how to thrive as a physical nation in relation to one another. Okay, so we had the spiritual thriving and focusing on God, and now it is about thriving as a physical nation in relation to each other. And this, first of the last six commandments, and the rest of the six, show us what governs successful interpersonal relationships. The first four commandments, again, focused on honoring God as the one who established the newly freed Hebrews as a nation. The next six commandments begin with honoring our parents, who incidentally established us as individuals through giving us life and guidance. Remember, you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. Yeah, you know, you can like them or not like them, but you can't doubt that fact. Okay, so we're going to expand on that in a lot of ways coming up very, very shortly. So, Jonathan, as we wrap up just this introduction, connecting the commandments, what, what do we have so far? Well, the Ten Commandments are not individual commandments. On the contrary, they are an integrated series of foundational principles on which to build a God-centered, human-respecting society. Okay, I want to repeat that. They are an integrated series of foundational principles on which to build a God-centered, humanity-respecting society. That's what the Ten Commandments are. You can't—they are not ten suggestions. They are not ten, hey, I got good ideas. They are integrated to show us the secret for actually living in a peaceful, harmonious, God-honoring way. It's brilliant— how deep these things are. It's brilliant. You know, we're only getting started, and we already have a higher and better understanding of honoring our parents. Is the promise for thy days to be long in the land like an incentive or a prize so we can listen and obey? (laughs) That's a really good question. If we read this commandment casually without regard for context or intended meaning, we can easily see this in the wrong light. God is not dangling a give-me-what-I-want-and-I'll-give-you-what-you-want incentive here. Instead, he's revealing a foundational secret for a thriving society. And this is key. He's revealing a foundational secret for a thriving society. Well, Rick, are you telling me that honoring your parents is foundational for human society? Well, well, what if your parents are awful? (laughs) You know what? I shouldn't laugh because there's a lot of that. That exists. And that's an important, important question. And folks, we're going to get to that in some great detail coming up. But the bottom line, Jonathan, is before we get to that detail, you need to go through this segment because this segment introduces the depth of the why of honor your father and mother as one of the commandments. Okay? So good question. We're going to get to that 
very soon. Just as the principle of reverencing God is the spiritual foundation for society, so the honoring of parents is the physical foundation for human societal interaction. We say that here, and most people in the world have forgotten that very point. But you've got to notice how both of these things are needed. And Jonathan, what we're going to find out, this scripture in Leviticus 19, 1-4, it is a model of many times when honoring your parents comes up as a really big deal in a really big place. So let's look at Leviticus 19, 1-4. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the sons of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father, and you shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Do not turn to idols or make for yourselves molden gods. I am the Lord your God. So God's speaking to Moses, and he's saying, here's what you tell the congregation. And he proceeds in the next few verses to cite four out of the first five commandments. Just, just this is the, these are the most important things. And honoring your parents is right there with, I am holy, I am your God. Everyone reverence your mother and father. Keep my Sabbaths. Don't turn to idols. It's matter-of-factly spoken in the context of the highest spiritual things in our lives. This is a big deal. Honor your parents is not, oh, okay, I'll give them a little time. This is much bigger than that. Let, let's take a moment. Let's go to a soundbite from um, Honor Your Father and Mother from Prager University. They, they had several very, very interesting points on here that put things into a very, very clear perspective. So this first one is asking that question, is it reward or reason? And that's what you had asked at the beginning of the segment, the, 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 the statement, thy days belong in the land. Is that a reward? Let's hear what they have to say. That your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Many people read that part of the fifth commandment as a reward. But while it may be regarded as a reward, the fact remains that it is a reason. If you build a society in which children honor their parents, your society will long survive. And the corollary is, a society in which children do not honor their parents is doomed to self-destruction. In our time, this connection between honoring parents and maintaining civilization is not widely recognized. On the contrary, many of the best educated parents do not believe that their children need to show them honor, since honoring implies an authority figure. And that is a status many modern parents reject. You know, he, he says that forcefully, and he's got a very important point. Uh, as parents, we are not our children's friends. We are their parents. We are their guides. And this is what is behind honor your father and mother. Now, a lot of people might think, hear this and say, oh, okay, you know, you guys are going to this, all this old-fashioned stuff, and you, what, are you going to beat your kids up? No! What we're going to do is we're going to teach them how to be adults. You don't teach them as their friend. You teach them as their parent. We get this the way... Through, through the way that God set up the law with Moses for Israel. Hey, when Moses, another, another example, when Moses was speaking to Israel about preparing to enter the promised land, okay? They're preparing to enter the land of Canaan. Now, remember, there's 40 years of wandering before this, and now they're preparing to enter. 
God has Moses list, list several things that would be cursed, bad things, things you don't want to do, you know, don't try this at home things, okay? Uh, and let's look at the first two things on this list. This is, this is fascinating, and it's very telling. Deuteronomy 27, verses 14 through 16, and do 14 and 15 first. The Levite shall then answer and say to all the men of Israel with a loud voice, Cursed is the man who makes an idol or a molten image, an abomination to the Lord, the works of the hands of the craftsman, and sets it up in secret. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. Okay, so the first thing is, cursed is the man who makes an idol or molten image. Have no other gods before me. Again, he comes right back to the core values of the commandments. Remember the first four commandments, the spirituality and honoring God. What's the next thing he says? Cursed is he who dishonors his father or mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. See, Jonathan, this is a big deal. This is not just, hey, be tolerant of your parents. God brings this up in big places with big consequences for not following. That means we need to give it big attention. So when we look at this, connecting the commandments, what is this telling us? We can see that honor due to parents was pivotal in setting up and maintaining a God-reverencing society. You know, we, we, we might even say that it was a matter of national security. <laughs> wow. Seriously. That, <laughs> that's amazing. Well, because God is putting the honoring of parents right next to honoring him. Pay, if God puts something next to giving him honor, we had better pay very clear, close attention. This commandment was given to Israel who knew God and saw his deliverance. The penalty for not following the command to honor your father or mother was death. Well, Rick, we're talking about a national command as well as an individual command. So there could be a national destruction? You know, that's an important point. They needed to understand that these, these commandments, we need to understand, they were integrated not only as individuals, but as a society. They were bound as a society together to agree to follow these things. That's how important honoring your, your parents is, okay? So yes, and it could bring national destruction when you start to not follow these commandments, and it becomes rampant, and we know that God said, you know, you're my chosen people. Therefore, I will punish you when you don't follow. So that's a big deal. That's a big, big deal here. So we need to understand, what does it mean to honor? What does that word mean to honor your father and mother? Jonathan, the Old Testament word. It means to be heavy and in a bad sense, burdensome, severe, dull, or in a good sense, numerous, rich, honorable, causatively. To make weighty. Okay, to make weighty. To give, for something to be heavy means that it is an immovable force in life. Okay, you have this immovable strength and you on, that's what it means to honor something. God's presence in our life should be immovable and we do everything to work around it because it's there. Honoring our parents should be the same way. Honor can be used in a good sense and a bad sense. And this is fascinating. Let's read Exodus chapter 8, verse 32. This is honor in a bad sense. The Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also, neither would he let the people go. And we see further on in Exodus that it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. 
So what it really means is God honored Pharaoh's heart, which means he gave Pharaoh's heart weight in the decision-making process and allowed Pharaoh's heart to get in the way. And of course, what happened was plague after plague after plague after plague. And like you said before, eventually the death of the firstborn, because God allowed Pharaoh's heart to be front and center. He honored it, and that was the cost, he, because he was defy, defying Almighty God. Now, honor in a good sense, okay, let's get rid of that. Honor in a good sense, Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. Give God the weight that he deserves and have everything in your life be built around looking up to him and, and giving him that honor and respect. And it, Rick, it means practically give him your best. Yes. Give him your best. Yeah. He deserves it. The first fruits of all thine increase, not what's left over, not the ones that fell on the ground and got kicked, but the first fruits, the things that you, that, that are most prized. Those you're right. So, Honor your parents. It's the same kind of thing. Interesting thought. I'm going to go back to honor your father and mother from Prager University because they bring out an interesting thought here about what the commandment here doesn't say. And we'll just let them do the talking. And many parents seek to be loved, not honored, by their children. Yet neither the Ten Commandments nor the Bible elsewhere commands us to love our parents this is particularly striking, given that the Bible commands us to love our neighbor, to love God, and to love the stranger. The Bible understands that there will always be individuals who, for whatever reason, do not love a parent. But it does demand that we show honor to our parents. And it makes this demand only with regard to parents. There is no one else who the Bible commands us to honor. That's really interesting. You know, like in, in the New Testament, you know, I think in Peter it says, you know, honor the king. But, but his point is very well taken, that you're looking at your parents, and the Bible isn't saying you have to love your parents, but he's saying you have to honor, you have to have this deep respect. You know, Jonathan, as we grow up, we have all kinds of experiences, and it's easy to fall into resentment and all those things that, that go on. What we need to realize is none of that should ever get in the way of honoring our parents. So we're going we're gonna to develop this further. Now, what does honor mean? We, we looked at the Old Testament. The word means to be heavy uh, and, and so forth. The New Testament word to describe honoring parents, Jonathan, what does that mean? Well, it means to prize, that is, fix evaluation upon, by implication, to revere. Okay, to prize, to revere. So you're holding your parents up in a very high and special light. You prize them, okay? We're gonna, we'll build that after a couple of scriptures. Matthew 15, 4, we know that this is the word that is, is the translation of the Old Testament word because Jesus is quoting the Old Testament verse here in Matthew 15, 4. For God said, honor your father and mother, and he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. Okay, prize your father and mother. Revere your father and mother. Let's go to Jesus again in John chapter 5, verse 23. So that all will honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. 
And Rick, God sees himself in a parental role here. Yeah, and it's interesting. It's interesting. You know, you, you we're, we're looking at this and saying you got to honor your parents, you got to honor your parents, but God is calling for our honor as our Father, our Heavenly Father. You know, there are New Testament scriptures, we're not getting into this in this podcast, that talk about Abba, Father, that really attached uh, a connection that the, 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 from, from an infant to their father. You know, so the word for honor really means to lift up high. And, and think about it. When, when somebody has something that they prize— whether it be a possession or a relationship or a person or whatever, whatever it is. You know, somebody's got a car, okay, got an antique car, and, and, and they prize that car. On a Saturday afternoon when it's sunny, what are they out there doing? Shining it up. That's right. You know, flip, just any little speck of dust are taken off because it's, it's, it's prized. It's really important. That's the way the scriptures are telling us to look at our parents, okay? We have that looming question coming we'll, we'll get to in a minute. But here's the thing. When we have respect for our parents, when we have this honor, it opens positive doors for everybody involved in this. Proverbs 23, verses 22 and 23. Listen to your father who begot you, and do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom and instruction and understanding. It's interesting. So, oh, I'm go sorry. Ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you go. Oh, well, we should value and learn from our parents' experiences. Wisdom comes with age. And, you know, in this verse, it's talking about buying truth and not selling it, getting wisdom and all that in the context of your parents. Hello, pay attention. <laughs> There's great things to learn there. And you're right, wisdom does come with age. Not only will we be better positioned to be wiser by honoring our parents, we'll be, we will give our parents cause for rejoicing. We go back to Proverbs 23, the next two verses, verses 24 and 25. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice, and he who sires a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and your mother be glad, and let her rejoice who gave birth to you. So, I guess it's saying, Rick, make your parents proud. This means to grow up honoring and loving God, be a good citizen and contribute to society, be respectful to family and others, and grow up to be independent, responsible, caring, loving, kind, and a helpful adult. Wow, that's every parent's dream right there. You know, it is. It is. And, and, and so that's part of honoring our, our, our father and mother, is to, is to be what they would want us to be in every good and godly sense. Okay, so we're looking at this right now from a very positive perspective and saying, look at the incredible value of honor. It, you, you're gaining wisdom, you're, you're giving them a sense of accomplishment, and you're honoring God along the way. I mean, this is how we honor God, by fulfilling his commandments. So now, let, let's wrap this piece up, connecting the commandments, what do we have? As Christians, it is not only our responsibility to honor our parents, it is a profound privilege as well. Graciously fulfilling this commandment is outwardly living our devotion to God. You think about that. Graciously fulfilling this commandment is outwardly living our devotion to God. We can say I'm devoted to God, but if we're not living in an, an parent-honoring way, we are not necessarily completely fulfilling that devotion. We have to take this very, very seriously. Not only do we contribute to the maintaining of a vibrant society— we get to show our parents their value to us. What if your parents are bad or evil? 
is there ever a time when we should not honor them? This is a sad and even depressing question to have to ask. The reality is there are parents whose lives are dark and whose influence is destructive. As Christians, we need to be able to face these realities with scriptural principles in hand and spiritual wisdom to guide our hearts. This is not an easy thing. Well, Rick, to honor evil parents, what does that mean and what doesn't that mean? You know, that's, <laughs> that's the core of everything we want to talk about right here. What does that mean and what doesn't it mean? Well, again, when we prize something, we care for it. We're not careless with it, and we're not impatient or half-hearted in its care. Our honor for parents who have been or are destructive should be this way. Well, now we're going to have to do a lot of explaining on that, but that's the principle we're going to get started with. Okay, want to go back before we get into details, go back to Honor Your Father and Mother from Prager University. Um, they give a couple of reasons for this honor your father and mother. And the first reason they give is, is well, children need that. Why does the Ten Commandments believe that society could not survive if this commandment were widely violated? One reason is that we as children need it. Parents may want to be honored, and they should want to be, but children need to honor parents. A father and a mother who are not honored are essentially adult peers of their children. They are not parents. And, you know, it's great to have rapport, and it's great to have a bond with your child, but it's not great to be their peer because there's something vital lost. How do I know? Because God has said so. And when you look at, and we could get into, we won't at this point, but you look at the way society has developed, we can see that there's a tremendous disconnect here. And there's a tremendous lack of respect as a result. And we're not in great shape, if you haven't noticed. So, okay, so let's get into when, what does it mean to honor your parents when they may not be good parents and what doesn't it mean, okay? First point, honoring a destructive parent does not mean following evil instruction. And we're going to be focusing on children here for this first point. And Jonathan, our scripture is Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Rick, I have an example of a destructive parent. If a parent tells their child to steal so they can take care of their parent's drug habit, what do you do? <laughs> See, now, that, that's a pretty dramatic example, but it makes the point. It makes the point that a child is kind of stuck, right? I mean, especially, you know, you, you don't have the authority to stand up to your parent. This is hard, and we don't want to minimize the fact that this is hard. And when you're younger, this can be a real challenge. If you're in a situation where, where your parents are doing something uh, that, that is evil, giving evil instruction. As Christians, we should always look to those who would give godly instruction for help when faced with the prospect of evil instruction. So if you're younger and you feel like you're trapped in this situation and you're a Christian and you're trying really hard, go to somebody 
who is spiritually sound, who you can trust, and say, I have a problem, help me, and be honest with them, and let them give you the kind of guidance you need. This is not an easy thing, okay? But here's the thing about the scripture in Ephesians 6, 1 to 4. We could quote part of the sentence. It says, children, obey your parents, period. Okay? Trouble. Yeah, because you didn't finish the scripture. That's right. What's the rest of it say? Um, It says, um, honor your father and mother. Obey your parents for this is right. Well, with, with instruction like stealing, that's not right. Right. And it says, obey your parents in the Lord. So when we're getting instruction that is not in the Lord, especially from a parent who professes to be Christian, stop, look around, and get help. Because if it's evil, you need to find somebody to help you stand. Obey your parents in the Lord. Okay? So there, it's not this carte blanche thing that whatever your parent says you have to do, if it's evil, find a way to get some help. Just find how, a way. Go ahead. How about switching gears? What if we as an adult have parents who try to control our lives with a destructive demeanor? What do we do? See, it's the same, it's the same principle, although at, at that point we don't necessarily – we shouldn't need to go get some help. We should be able to stand up on our own two feet and turn the tide. Now, how do you do that? We're going to get into that in the next couple of points, okay? But just remember, if you're younger and you're in a really compromising situation with good and evil, confide in someone who is very trustworthy, who can give you godly instruction, okay? This is a hard, that's a hard one, Jonathan. It really, it's really hard. Let's go on to the next point. Honoring a destructive parent does not mean being subject to their evil desires, Okay, now the next scripture we're going to get into is going to give us a principle. The context of this coming scripture is Peter, the Apostle Peter and others, were imprisoned and then released by an angel during the night. Remember, they were out preaching the gospel. The the doctors of the law didn't like it. They threw him in prison, said, don't you do that. So the angel releases him and says, go back and preach. And so the next day, they're back to preaching. Well, let's drop in on the story there, Acts chapter 5, verses 27 to 29. When they had brought them, they stood them before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name, and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intent to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. Well, Rick, the principle in this verse gives us an order of things. Godliness and righteousness comes before any human instruction. Yes, period, end of statement. That's the principle. Obey God rather than men. So when you're, as an adult, when your parent is giving you, you know, pressuring you with an evil desire, you got to understand, it's God first, man second, and they are included in this scripture. Contrary to being subject to evil, we should be strong enough to want the best for such broken parents. Now, here is the difficulty. It, well, let me rephrase that. There's a, everything we're talking about now is difficult, okay? You have a situation where a parent is, 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 is pressuring you to be subject to their own evil desires. You need to be able to stand up. The difficulty, though, is to honor them. Now, how do you do that after what we just said? And the answer is this. To prize them Remember, to honor is to prize. To prize them is to do what is in their best interest 
according to godly principles. Not according to what they want, not according to what they say, not according to anything else, but what's in their best interest according to godly principles. But what if we don't want to take on the problems of our parents? Some might say, it's inconvenient. It'll ruin my schedule and the things I want to do. It's going to cost me a lot of money. And if I spend all my time with them, I could lose um, my promotion that I'm working for. You know, I've got enough responsibility with my wife and kids. That's enough. Yeah, you're right. You do have enough responsibility with your wife and kids. And this really is not an easy or welcome or, or, or fun thing. But what does the scripture say again? Honor your father and your mother. Prize them. And if they're off of the appropriate path and that you are seeing it and you're feeling it, to honor them, don't we have an obligation to put an effort in because we honor them? By ignoring them and saying, I'm just going to put blinders on and live my own life, we are essentially saying, it's going to be too much. They won't change anyway, so forget it. It doesn't matter if they change. What matters is, am I doing what the Scripture is telling me I must do? Prizing them by wanting them to go in the right direction, by willing, being willing to stand up against the evil desire. You probably won't change them. So, is that the object? Or is the object to do the best that you can and leave it in God's hands? See, that's where we need to leave these kinds of things. This is hard. This is hard stuff. But it doesn't mean we don't honor. It just honor looks different in these circumstances. Here's the next one. Next circumstance. Honoring a destructive parent does not mean having them maintain authority over you in your independent life. Now, the next scripture we're going to go over is about marriage. Uh, and so, you know, for a married life, it's very, very specific. But in principle, it it's also applies to those who are not married but needing to live their own independent life. So, Jonathan, let's go to Genesis 2, 23 and 24. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she is taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And Jesus adds in Matthew 19, 6, So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. So if we go back, Rick, to priorities, where to first honor God and secondly honor our marriage, where do parents fit in? After those two are taken care of, <laughs> you know, and you know what, it, it, and this, this may sound, I, I don't mean this to sound harsh, but I mean it to sound dramatic, okay? Sometimes you need to put up a keep out sign or a no trespassing sign, okay, when it comes to your marriage, because the scripture is very specific. You have made a covenant before God. It's a, called a covenant of God, the marriage covenant, and you need to take care of that first and foremost. It's great to have parental influence but it's not great to have a parent in the middle of it. You need to know how to draw the line. You need to know how to say, no, thank you. Thank you. I love you. I respect you. But we are making our own decisions. We need to do that because we have made this commitment to one another. We, if we carry our parents' authority into our independent lives, we must realize we're likely acting in a way that is contrary to God's will. Ultimately, it's best for us and our parents to clearly set boundaries so we can fulfill our personal responsibilities and still honor them 
in an appropriate way. Just because you don't let them meddle in your marriage doesn't mean you don't honor them. In fact, it means you do honor them by not letting them meddle, okay? Because that's the best thing. Now, we're talking about things that with difficult parents, and it's really easy, Jonathan, to build up. We may have resentment, and we may have frustration and all this built up inside us toward our parents. Don't confuse these difficult circumstances we just talked about with our own potential willfulness against our parents. What do we mean by that? Listen to this next scripture, Mark 7, verses 9 through 13. He was also saying to them, You are experts at setting aside the commandments of God in order to keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, If a man says to his father or his mother, Whatever I have that would help you is Corban, that is to say, given to God, you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or his mother, thus invalidating the word of God by your tradition, which you have handed down, and you do many things such as that. So, Rick, these scribes were saying to their parents in need, sorry, mom and dad, that money is meant for God. Yes, that's exactly that what they were saying. And this is a very serious twisting of, uh, of, of, of serving God. As a matter of fact, we've got some good commentary from the eclectic notes. Corbin, the law did not give offerings the precedence over moral duties, for it had the Decalogue at its heart. But the intentions of the scribes had so perverted the moral intelligence that it had come to be recognized as a thing to declare any possession Corbin left one free to refuse it for the help even for father or mother. So really, this is a, this is a way to be self-serving. That's really the bottom line. That's what the Pharisees were doing. They were teaching people that, look, you know what? And I'm going to use a very graphic example in today's circumstances. Your father and mother don't have a lot, okay? They're living on a fixed income, and it's not really helping them make ends meet too well. And you've got an extra twenty-five dollars or $50,000 sitting in the account. They know it's there. You know it's there. But you've decided that, you know what, that money is for the service of God. And so you say to your parents, you know, sorry, mom and dad, you know, I know you know I have this money, but you got to understand, this money is, is, I'm giving it to God. So, you know, see, see the kind of, of, of sacrifice you're making on behalf of God. What? You, oh. you, you know, this is, and this, Jesus calls this out, and he says, you are absolutely hypocritical because it is by helping your parents that you honor God. So cut it out, stop trying to keep the money and make it look good, because that's really what the, the, the Pharisees were doing, and do the right thing. Be helpful. See, when it comes to our parents, we must always be on guard against our own potential resentments and judgments and disappointments. Well, Rick, what about the phrase, they were never there for me? Oh, okay. So two wrongs make a right then, huh? <laughs> I mean, really, think about it. Let's, let, let, you know, folks, look, I understand if you have that situation where there's resentment and all those things going on, but let's think spiritually. Would Jesus have said that? Well, they were never there for me. And no. of course not. Remember Malchus? You know, Malchus was the guy who cut off, uh, um, who, Peter, who cut off his ear. 
you know, when yep. they were going to take him away. What did Jesus do to the enemy? He healed him. He healed him because he's a human being in need. Certainly, if Jesus can heal his enemy, we can help to take care of our parents. Come on. Let's, let's get ourselves clear on this stuff. Aside from our resentments and our frustrations and the whatever bitter thing may be down deep inside, put it away. Follow the commandment. Connecting the commandments, Jonathan, let's wrap this up. To honor our parents is to always do what is best in the eyes of God for them. This may be among the hardest things you ever have to do, but humbly and courageously follow through is to honor them and God as well. We want to look back in life and say, I did the best I could do for my parents and I have no regrets. You know, the idea of having no regrets is so important. And you know what? Maybe, you, you're, you, maybe you're not successful. Maybe you can't change darkness. Maybe you can't help them as much as, 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 as they need, but you did the very best you can. God looks at the effort, not the result, and that's how we're blessed. Rick, we all have mental strengths and weaknesses, physical strengths and weaknesses, financial abilities and inabilities. It comes down to what can I do? We're not accountable for the things we can't do, but maybe other siblings could pick up the slack in other areas. Yeah, you know, that, that's a really good point. And also, one of the things that, that occurs to me is when you're doing what you think you can do, add another 2 3 or 4%. Just push it a little harder, a little further, because you'd be surprised how much your capacity increases if you are truly prizing your parents, and it may be difficult. To truly honor is not always easy and exciting. It takes a true Christ-like effort to walk down some roads. What does true honor for parents look like when they have lived honorably? What should we look for? Now, this, this is a great question to answer. I like this one a lot better than the last one. <laughs> it's here that we can work as shining a light on their contributions and character. It's here where we can imitate their kindness. It's here where we can open our ears wide and drink in the wisdom they've gathered throughout their long years. It's here where we can build them up the way they built us up. Honor to our parents is based upon a godly respect for the life that they have given us. Simply because of age, they have experienced more loss and hardship than the average younger person has, so respect them in this phase of their lives. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. Do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather appeal to him as a father, to the younger men as brothers, the older women as mothers, and the younger women as sisters in all purity. So you see, we've got this scripture, and it says, don't rebuke someone who's older, but appeal to him as a father. You know, if, if your dad is not quite on the right track and you say, hey, dad, come on, let's think about this. You don't say, what are you doing, old man? <laughs> I mean, you shouldn't say that. That's for sure. <laughs> you know, and there's this grace that's attached to what Peter, uh, Paul, I'm sorry, is teaching to Timothy here. And he goes on with another very specific circumstance in verses three and four. Honor widows who are widows indeed. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, they must first learn to practice piety in regard to their own family and to make some return to their parents, for this is acceptable in the sight of God. So it's interesting. The Apostle Paul is telling Timothy, look, 
take care of the widows who are widows indeed. And he says, well, here's what I mean by that. If there's a widow who's struggling but has a family who's ignoring her, you should be talking to that family to help them become more godly and fulfill their Christian responsibility. So he's saying, work through the system that God's already put in place, first and foremost. If that doesn't exist, then step in and do everything you can. Just, it's powerful that there is this sense of put those, your parents first wherever you can, and, and, and especially when they're older. James one twenty seven builds on this. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. So again, the idea of visiting orphans and widows to be engaged in the lives of those who are having trial. And if it's our parents, be there. Connecting the commandments, Jonathan, this is a smaller point, but what do we have? Be willing to do the hard work to honor your parents, especially when they have suffered loss and difficulty. So, Jonathan, what does that mean to you? Well, Rick, uh, personally, it means if your parents are in an unsafe environment, get them out. Protect them with legal action if necessary. Evict family members that take advantage of their frailty. Find able caregivers to help in ways that you can't help. So you said a lot of things in those few sentences. There are some hard things to do where you really take care of them. Uh, and when there is care that they need that you're, you're not able to give, you reach out. That's right. And it's important for us to understand that reaching out is an appropriate way to honor our parents. It doesn't always have to be on you because you're the kid, but you should be at least driving it so that you can get them what they need. Let's go one last time back to honor your father and mother from Prager University. A second reason for honoring your parents, um, and, and this is interesting because it has to do with morality. Second, honoring parents is how nearly all of us come to recognize that there is a moral authority above us to whom we are morally accountable. And without this, we cannot create or maintain a moral society. Of course, for the Ten Commandments, the ultimate moral authority is God, who is therefore higher than even our parents. But it is very difficult to come to honor God without having had a parent, especially a father, to honor. It's an interesting correlation that uh, we can more easily honor God if we've been able to have a father who is worthy of honor. And I can tell you flat out that my dad was one of those fathers that had an incredibly powerful and positive influence on my everyday life. And I understand honoring God a lot more easily than others simply by virtue of the privilege of being born my father's son. So, you know, talk about being blessed. Let me tell you something. Jonathan, we have seven keys to honoring parents. And this is an excerpt from a very long article by Don Wilton, uh, written in 2013 from decisionmagazine.com. Okay, there's seven points. We're going to read the points from the article, and then we're going to add scriptures and comments. Point number one, value your parents' world. No matter how old they are, they are living in a world that is highly relevant and valuable to them. Psalm 92, 12 to 15. The righteous man will flourish like the palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. 
They will still yield fruit in old age. They will be full of sap and very green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Well, Rick, how can we draw out an elderly parent to contribute from their life experiences? Well, in my case, my dad had advanced Alzheimer's when he was living with us a couple of years ago. He loved music. It was his life. And we would play music for him. And my wife and his caregiver would dance with him. And we would ask him questions about his past performances. We encouraged him to teach my eight-year-old nephew to learn how to play the piano, chopsticks. <laughs> and you should have seen it. My dad just beamed by helping and contributing. You know, and, and that, that's a, those are great examples. Find things that draw your parents out. You know, for my mom, and I'm going to come back to this several times, it's, 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 it's Sunday dinner. We've talked about it on the podcast. But, you know, one of the things over the last several years she's done is there is this annual get-together to make pierogies, you know, for the Sunday dinner. And that's a big job. And, and all the grandkids, you know, not all, but many of them come and, and, and are learning the process because that's something that is relevant and important and will live on because she is passing it on. It's a great way to do that. They are so good. Yeah. I love them. <laughs> yes, I had them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And my great grandmother was the one who, you know, I remember. She made them for us when we first met her. Yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Value your parents' world was number one. Number two, respect your parents' age. Don't mock their limitations and inabilities. Love them in it. Respect your parents' age. Ecclesiastes 12, 1 and 2. You know, we all know the beginning of this verse but we never think about what it's actually talking about. So Jonathan, go ahead. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near when you will say, I have no delight in them. Before the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are darkened and clouds return after the rain. So what this verse is saying is, remember that you creator in the days of your youth, you're going to get old and life is going to become burdensome. That's what it's saying. And so what it's saying is, you know, remember the creator now, but just let's remember our parents when life becomes burdensome and respect their age and the trials and difficulties that they're going through and, and respect it and honor it and help them carry the weight of it. So we have value your parents, respect your parents' age. Number three, model your parents' godly attributes. You know the many things they said and did that simply blessed your life? So go and do likewise. It honors them and the Lord. And besides, if it blessed you, just think how much it will bless their grandchildren. Job 12, 12. Wisdom is with aged men, with long life is understanding. And Rick, I can't help but think about my mother-in-law, Josie. She lived with us 13 years. She was an amazing Christian example to me in all that she did. We are blessed to have her live with us. And when our son was young, he got to see the fruits of her wisdom. Um, I tell you, the scriptural knowledge that she had, what an example to me as a dedicated Christian. I wanted to be like her. Yeah, you know, and that, that's such an inspiring thing. My, my dad was a was always hard of hearing ever since he was a kid. And so he wasn't a great communicator because he really couldn't hear what was going on. After he passed away, though, you know, you, you go through things and you're finding things. We found a prayer that he had written out when he was a young man 
that he kept in one of his books that he frequently looked at. And when I read that prayer, it like it revealed his heart and it opened it up. You know, and the idea of just seeing what was there and then putting the piece together. Maybe he wasn't able to say it because he wasn't able to communicate because he couldn't be in the conversation as easily, but it was part of him. And you want to model living godliness. It's a powerful thing. Point number four, protect your parents' individual dignity. The older they become, the more they will cherish your hedge of protection. Remember, they protected you when you were just starting out. Leviticus, Leviticus 19, 32. You shall rise up before the gray-headed and honor the aged, and you shall revere your God. I am the Lord. And Rick, we need to live without regret. Again, we need to bring that up. I may mean you, you need to bring them into your home to care for them. If that is not possible, we should provide a safe and caring place for them to be where we can visit often and look after them. So, you know, in the age in which we live, we have the, the advantage of nursing home facilities. And look, here's the thing. Be careful in terms of what am I doing and why am I doing it. If you can't, everybody is, Jonathan, you guys, you guys are, are in like a category all by yourself. You know, you, you take in the parent and they live with you for years and years and years. Everybody just can't do that. You know, everybody can't be a Jonathan and Jewel, but if you can't, it's okay. You do the next best thing. You find a place and then you support them in that place as best as you can. And you make their life important to you, even if they're not under your roof. Have them under the roof of your heart if they're not under the roof of your house. That's really Beautiful. what it comes down to, you know. You know, and this, this idea of protection, if you honor somebody or something, you instinctively, instinctively are protective of them. <laughs> Don't get me started. When I think somebody might be taking advantage of my mom, <laughs> I may be a little guy, but <laughs> don't go there, okay? Don't <laughs> do that. That's not a good thing. Okay, point, point number five. Fulfill your parents' essential joy. Make it your business to find out what gives them joy. Sometimes it's as simple as a regular phone call, and please answer their calls. It makes their day. Proverbs 23, 22 to 25. We actually read these verses early in the first segment, but we need to come back to them. Listen to your father who begot you, and do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom and instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice, and he who sires a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and your mother be glad, and let her rejoice who gave birth to you. Well, Rick, what makes my mom happy are Snickers bars, caramel popcorn, <laughs> and ice cream. <laughs> but of course, though, we need to limit those and watch her health, uh, just being funny. But she finds joy calling relatives and old friends, but she forgets to do it. So we dial the phone and hand it to her and say, guess who's on the phone? And she <laughs> just great. loves it because she has such a great time with conversations. No, and, and that's great. You, you know what makes her happy. So you set it up so she can engage in, in what makes her happy. And, uh, and you know, it, with, with my mom, it's, and everybody knows this. You know what I'm going to say. It's Sunday dinner. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a special privilege to see her do the prep work for it, and it's not work, it's a joy. And just, the, just 
people being over and, and, and just watching the kids play when they're under your own roof. And, you know, by God's grace, she's, she's still very independent. You fill, fulfill that essential joy. Make it so that their life just is still as vibrant as it can possibly be. Sometimes it can be a challenge, but boy, is it worth it. Point six, provide for your parents' basic needs. Make certain that you are not feasting at the king's table while your precious parents are living on cans of baked beans. And by the way, make sure they are eating right. 1 Timothy 5, 8. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. You know, that's a powerful, powerful statement. And throughout this podcast, it should be pretty clear that honoring our parents is providing for our own, okay? Don't limit this scripture to saying, well, you know, it's just my kids. It is uh, my family. And if my parents need help, I need to be honoring them to provide what is a godly way to help them with sense and clarity, and that is how I honor God. Provide for their basic needs because it's harder especially when they get much, much older. Step out. And that brings us to the seventh point. And the seventh point is a very clear summation. We had value, respect, um, uh, provide, protect, uh, fulfill, and provide. And now we've gone to point seven. Just do it. Honor your God-given responsibility. Just do it. God said it. You'll be glad you did. Micah 6, 8. He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. To honor your father and your mother is to walk humbly with your God. Make no mistake about it. That's what it is. That's part of it. That's part of making it work. Now look, if your parents have not been good, there are still ways to honor them but do it in a godly way with godly compassion and godly thinking and godly principles. So connecting the commandments, let's wrap this up. Consciously look for ways to honor your parents. Patiently enter their world and their memories. Compassionately listen to their aches and pains. Energetically serve their physical needs. Empathize with their woes Help them divide their sorrows. Engage in their joys. Share with them the legacy that they have passed on to you. Well, Rick, this is the ideal, and it takes work. Being a caregiver can be a difficult task and responsibility. It is important to stay connected to God and those who can give us spiritual encouragement. We should not be ashamed to ask for help from friends and family when we need a break. You know, and that's a that's a big thing as we as we wrap this up. Sometimes we need help. Ask. There's no shame in it. There's glorying given to God by teaming up and helping someone to honor their parents. Because it's tough. You know, people live a lot longer now than they used to, and that means there's more physical maladies, and unfortunately there's more mental and emotional breaking down just by virtue of just age. It's okay. Let's do the best we can to honor our parents. And as we do that, realize that we are in the forefront of our minds and in the forefront of the mind of our Heavenly Father honoring him by taking care of them.
honor your father and mother. Think about it. Folks, listen, we really do want to hear from you. Give us your feedback or send us your questions on this episode or other episodes at ChristianQuestions.com. Also, a big part of spreading the word about our program is subscribing to Christian Questions on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, whatever your favorite podcast channel is. Please rate us and review us. We greatly appreciate it. Coming up next week, we're going back to the Bible Mistranslation series, Has the Bible Been Mistranslated and Misunderstood Part 4? And we'll have David Stein again with us. You don't want to miss it. Talk to you next week.